Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 184 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing incredibly well. This is the last thing I have to do before my Christmas vacation. Yes, it is. I am literally like after this, my team is doing our team building kind of a event that we're doing, which I kind of want to talk about because it's amazing. And then I'm... And I'm done for a week. I'm very excited. But I'm not shortchanging this. This is a huge episode. This is a great episode. I'm very excited. <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to say it really quickly. My The marketing team here that I'm a part of at Overdrive, we're going axe throwing for our like holiday adventure. Oh, that's right. I feel like I'm either going to be great at this or terrible and nowhere in between. So I'll give you guys updates when I come back. But um, while we are here and hanging out, tell everyone what we're doing. This is great. So, you know, it's that time of year where... Every publisher and print and media outlet is doing their best books of 2017. And that is what we are doing. Yeah. Adam and Jill's best books of 2017. And then on Monday, Christmas Day, we are also having our uh, Overdrive. We talked to some of our friends here at Overdrive. You know what I just realized when you said Adam and Jill's uh I'd, we're both very nice to each other. Whenever you're speaking about the two of us, you say Adam first. And whenever I'm speaking about the two of us, <laughs> I say Jill first. Is that true? Yeah. I never really noticed. I haven't right. noticed it too. It's just, just now. But yeah, why reinvent the wheel? Everyone likes best of lists. So this is ours. We're going to start backwards. Yeah. So I think last year we actually did, like you and I combined our list with like a top 10. So this is our 10 best books, but technically it's your top five and my top five. Correct. I so, don't remember what we did last year. That was, I, I think, that was too long ago. <laughs> it was almost a full year ago. It's a full year ago. Um, so yeah, we'll both start at number five and then we'll work our way back up. Uh, do you want me to start or do you want to start? I'll start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that was a lot of internal debate. Uh, There's a lot of internal debate because we were discussing a book previous, right before we started recording and now I'm debating putting that on my list <laughs> we can do you want to make it an honorable mention since we both read we'll it make an honorable it. mention yeah but do you want to do it now before we get into our top i would five? do that now yeah right, um so again it was a top five and that's really hard we read a lot of books so, oh my god so hard so picking top five um but an honorable mention for both of us would be warcross by marie lou it's so good but it just did not quite make our list you, but seriously holy crap it was for- so good Jill read it first and like implored me. We're I think we're really good with each other when we're not reading the same book for an episode or like an interview or something. I feel like we're both really good at not like nudging the other one to read a book because that's always really hard. Where if someone asks you for a recommendation, you absolutely want to give it to them, but it, you never want to come out of the blue and be like, "Hey, Jill, read this book." Yeah, we just sort of like suggested, like, "Hey, you should read this." Right, and... but you basically implored me, like, "No, no, no, read this book." And if you're as big of a fan of like Ready Player One type of a book as Jill and I are, holy crap, Warcross! Not just that though, but it's 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 uh it's a female character, which I think I, as someone who lightly games, appreciated that it's it's a female character because so yeah. many of those books are very male driven. Really good point. Um, and Warcross is not. She's She's a she's a woman. Um, I mean, she's she's like nineteen twenty. I think she's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think if they ever say her age. I, I think somewhere between that eighteen yeah. and twenty one range. Um, she's a bounty hunter. I mean, it's an incredible character. She yeah. 
strong female bounty hunter who does code and plays like in this video game called Warcross. She has rainbow colored hair. Everything about her is is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think her name's Amika or mm-hmm. Emika. I'm not sure how to pronounce I it. I just yet. heard. I'm um, actually Marie Lou, who wrote the book, was on a BuzzFeed. I tweeted this yesterday as the podcast, but she was on a BuzzFeed video talking about the book. She was saying some of the names of the characters, and I realized in my brain I was saying them wrong, and I had like 10% of the book left. And I was oh, when that happens. <laughs> anyway, that didn't make our top 10. So it's our it's our honorable mention. Yeah, it really is. And I, re- I thought I was going to put it on this morning, but I'm not sure if it's recency bias, but seriously, it was that book. Like I I had an, an instant book hangover. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. So that's not on our top 10. That is not on our top 10. Here, here are our top 10. Um, okay, so Caraval by Stephanie Garber. Oh man, this book. If you read The Night Circus and really enjoyed it, I think you would really like Caraval. So Scarlet has never left the tiny island where she and her sister Tella live with their powerful and cruel father. Now Scarlet's father has arranged a marriage for her and Scarlet thinks her dream of seeing Caraval, the faraway once a year performance where the audience participates in the show are over. But this year, Scarlet's long-dreamt-of-invitation finally arrives. With the help of a mysterious sailor, Tella whisks Scarlet away to the show. Only as soon as they arrive, Tella is kidnapped by Carval's mastermind organizer, Legend. It turns out that this season's Carval revolves around Tella, and whoever finds her first is the winner. Scarlet has been told... Everything that happens during Carval is only an elaborate performance, but she nevertheless becomes a mesh in a game of love, heartbreak, and magic with the other players in the game. And whether Carval is real or not, she must find Tella before the five nights of the game are over. A dangerous domino effect of consequences is set off and her sister disappears forever. It was so good. Ah, uh, it was just, oh, so good. Because I'm like, can this place be real? Because I kind of want to do this. You know, it's sort of... It's this world where you go and you're just kind of dropped into it and, and you have to be like, you kind of live in this world where you're not sure what is real and you're not sure what is fake. And it's all part of this very elaborate game that changes every year. And it was fantastic. I have, I was, here's how long I've had this book and haven't actually read it yet. I got, I was sent an advanced, an advanced reader copy before the book came out and it's been out almost a full year now. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't read it, and it's sitting. I think I'm. I think that's gonna be one of the ones I read this week while I'm on vacation. It reminded me a lot of the Night Circus. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and that's so. <clears throat> I have friends who I know were big fans of this, and I made sure to recommend this to them as soon as they finished. And um, it has a sequel coming out called Legendary in May. I'm already on hold for it. <laughs> Put it on hold right away. You are the I was queen. Like, it did. But I was this. like, oh, oh, the new one's available for like. That's. I mean, shout out to, is it our local library? Is it Cuyahoga County? It is. County? CCPL, yes. Man. Cuyahoga County. Shout outs to Cuyahoga County for getting books on there. I may recommend it at first, and then I must have been ah, the recommendation that triggered it. Very smart. Nice yeah. job. Uh, okay, so my number five book. A few of mine are books that have been referenced on the podcast because some of these authors came on, and I didn't do that to promote old episodes. If you want to listen to these episodes, by all means, go for it. But these just these books stuck with me. So the first one is Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Um, it's a young adult book. Uh, I, put, I grabbed some of the awards that some of these books have won. So this one was long listed for the National Book Award before it was even released, which is bananas. Uh, an Entertainment Weekly Best YA Book of the Year. And then it was also a Parents' Choice Gold Award winner. 
Um, Long Way Down tells, it uses prose, and it tells the story of what happens inside this young African-American teenager's mind as he debates whether or not to take revenge for uh, the killing of his brother that happened the night before. There was this uh, you know, situation that went down in, in the street that they live on, and his, his brother got murdered. Um, and so he, he goes home that night, and he has some, they have some rules in their, uh, in their neighborhood, which is like, you know, no snitching, no crying, and you always get revenge. And so he wakes up the next morning, and he grabs his brother, who's now deceased's uh, gun, and he gets on an elevator, and they live on the seventh floor. And then over the next 60 seconds, he travels down um, to the lobby of where they live. And that's where the book takes place, is within this 60 seconds. Uh, the He meets these different characters on each floor, and they're all parts of his life, either past or present. And he has to decide what he wants to do by the time he reaches the first floor. And I'm not going to give away the ending, obviously, but... Um, Jason came on the show as episode 170, and we collectively described it as Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol meets Boys in the Hood. Um, it It's it's a 300-page book, but the way that it's written, it's like a 300-page poem, and you can literally read it in, I think I read it on an hour-long flight to New York City um, in, in like May, I think I read it, and I still can't stop thinking about it. Um, I've heard him give speeches about this book, and he, it's just so amazing. Um, Jason writes these books where he does this thing that uh, a few YA authors, like Marie Kneekamp, do, do and um, several others where he doesn't like treat kids like they can't handle tough situations because the kids that he writes about have these difficult situations they go through and very mature and important conversations to have with children so that's long way down by jason reynolds again i you can read it in literally an hour it's wonderful my next one is are you sleeping by kathleen barber this is if you are a fan of cereal the podcast mm-hmm. uh, this is cereal meets ruth wears in a dark dark wood it is a psychological thriller about a mega-hit podcast that reopens a murder case and threatens to unravel the carefully constructed life of the victim's daughter. Um, it's just... I, I got totally drawn into this book in a way that I was really not expecting, but um, the way it just tells a story, and, and again, podcasting is obviously... We like podcasting. We're, yeah, we're into it. <laughs> So, yeah, this is what just one of those, you know, thrillers are a very popular um, genre in general. We love it here. You know, so many of our, our coworkers read read thrillers. But this was really a one that kind of turned it on its head in a way I hadn't really expected. Mm-hmm. So if you are a fan of that genre, I definitely recommend Are You Sleeping by Kathleen Barber. Um, is this, did Emma read that? I'm gonna have to ask her. Our coworker Emma, if you're familiar with the podcast, she's very into thrillers and mysteries, and um, just sounds like a her book. Okay, my next one is "Meddling Kids" by Edgar Cantero. Uh, it was a Goodreads Choice Award nominee for horror. My entire Goodreads review for this was just an all caps three words: "Adult Scooby Doo." Um, what a fun book! So it is technically horror, and I read it. 
uh, during October, during my horror kick, if you're familiar, again, if you listen to the podcast for a few months, you know that I spent all of October reading horror books. So the blatant summer detective club used to solve crimes as kids, much like in Scooby-Doo. Uh, but they went their they went their what separate ways after one of the mysteries had like a strange kind of dark ending, and now they're back as adults trying to solve what actually happened the night that kind of changed their lives. Um, so there's a whole bunch of magic. There's some like Cthulhu level ancient gods. Um, there's literally like they literally reference Scooby Doo. Like the river that's by the city is called the Zoinks River. Nice. Um, they have a dog that's a part of their group. Uh, he's a Weimariner named Tim. I have a wine writer named Holden. Uh, Tim is the like grandson of the original wine writer that they had when they were kids, which is how they do the continuity of you know, having a dog both times. But um, it is horror, but it's horror in the sense that like almost like when you were a kid and you would get kind of spooked out by Scooby Doo, but in like that sort of lighthearted way. Um, it's really fun. I loved it. I. I listened to the audiobook and then I went and read the book. Like, I did both. So that's Meddling Kids by Edgar Cantero. My next one is Bad Romance by Heather Demetrios. Heather will be on the podcast in a couple weeks. We did an interview with her. And this book, I don't even know where to start. So um, it is about a teenager named Grace who is a super big theater nerd like me. And um, <laughs> <laughs> like us, okay, like both of us. No, she's a super big theater nerd, and she um, has a huge crush on Gavin. And if you were in high school in theater in high school, you had a Gavin. Gavin was like the cool kid that like all the girls had a crush on, right? Um, and somehow Grace ends up dating Gavin. Only Gavin not quite what she was expecting. So from the onset, you are kind of aware that this book is chronicling a abusive teenage relationship. And it's not just physical. I mean, there's really no physical abuse. It's yeah. more the emotional right. kind of abuse that happens. And when you're a teenager, even I mean, even as an adult, if it's not a physically abusive, it's hard to label it as abuse. Um but Heather does a really, really good job of straddling that line and kind of showing what's happening in this relationship and what's wrong. And also Grace's, like, how she views things and sort of justifies or explains away kind of the red flags that come from Gavin. Um, it was, it was, it blew me away. Yeah, I, I read this one as well. Again, it was for the podcast. We both read it, but. You're absolutely right. It's something where hopefully none of you listening were in an abusive relationship, whether as a teenager or as an adult, but it's an unfortunate situation that a lot of people are in. And when you're a teenager, you don't, you know, with the emotional side of it, like A, as a teenager, you're going through all these incredible emotions, these very strong emotions for like the first time. And you probably don't realize that it's abuse. You just maybe think it's normal to hear the way that people talk to each other and it's it's not so yeah this book was it floored me as well i very much i honestly didn't put it on my list because i kind of thought you were going to well it's funny like we so you know our our publisher friends if we have interviews coming up will send us books and um in advance of those interviews and so they had sent copies of bad romance and i 
remember thinking like, oh, I'll read this, you know, a while. And then I actually sat down. And first, it opens with a quote from Rent. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then I could not stop reading it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm in the middle of the day and I was like, I have to stop. I actually have to do my job. <laughs> and then I actually asked Adam, I was like, if I'm reading this for the podcast, does it count as my job? <laughs> I love that we do that. Like, we'll ask each other. It's this important thing to note. Neither of us are the other one's manager. Oh, no. And, I'm a totally other manager. Yeah, like, we aren't even on the same team, but we justify it all the time. I'll be like, so Jill, I'm listening to this audiobook and it's for the podcast, <laughs> but I can't focus on my actual work. And you're like, it's fine. Totally fine. Do it. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, this book is great. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I think I read it on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I Once I actually sat down and did the same thing. Yeah. Was, yeah. Also, not for nothing, I know that we are we work for Overdrive, which is a digital book company, but if you do happen to purchase this book, the cover is gorgeous. It is. Um, speaking of gorgeous books, my next one is The Best We Could Do by Tai Bui. I hope I'm pronouncing her, her name correctly. I did a bunch of research to try and find like interviews with her, and I couldn't find any where there are actual videos of her talking. Um, and in fact, every review of her book I watched, all of, like the YouTubers and everything, every one of them is like, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, this was a Goodreads Choice Award finalist for graphic novels and comics, as well as a Reading Women Award nominee for nonfiction. So this is a graphic novel that's also the memoir of Tai Wee's family and their life. Um, so her family escaped the fall of South Vietnam in the early 1970s. And then this book is all about that, as well as them trying to build a life for themselves. So Ty became a mother for the first time at the very beginning of this story, and she starts discovering all the sacrifices that her parents endure and that parents endure in general, um, and it forces her to kind of take a look at their, their family story and um, realizes that all of the things that they have accomplished, it, they were not dealt into a, you know, into life with the same hand as like a you know, what you would classify as a normal family. They had to overcome so many different things. Um, and not only does she tell the story of where her family came from and uh, her grandparents and all, all of their um, their Vietnamese background, but she illustrated the entire thing. And when I say entire thing, you probably think of graphic novel or comic as like a 30-page thing. This book is hundreds of pages, and every single page is illustrated and ty both wrote the story and illustrated that's by trade she is an illustrator she she um does art and things like that and the story is all about family and and refugees and hardship and i felt kind of gutted when i was reading it but also hopeful um it's just such a unique way to tell a story and again i was sent i Normally, I if you want to read this book on overdrive, absolutely. But if you want something, I actually let our coworker Christina borrow it, and she read it and loved it, and she won't give it back to me because she has it at her coffee table, and she's like, "I don't want to give it up. It's so beautiful. It's perfect where it is." Um, it I can't like. It's one of those books where I read it and was looking at these illustrations, and it's like, okay, it's one thing for someone to be such a better writer than I am, but they also have this incredible <laughs> talent as an illustrator. Uh, not not fair, but it was it's amazing. So that's the best we could do by Ty Bui. And just if you're listening, all of these books are in our show notes, but it's spelled T H I B U I. So I'm trying. 
Uh, okay, The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Gwynn. This, I actually got an advanced reader copy of this book a year ago, and I think it didn't come out until April. So I read this technically last year, but it counts for this year. <laughs> yeah, it counts. Because it was published this year. So I admittedly didn't know anything about the Jonestown Massacre. And everything I did know was probably gleaned from pop culture, which is not the most effective way to get accurate information about something like this. So um, New York Times bestselling author Jeff Gwynn does a very, very deep dive into Jonestown. Not just the actual events of Jonestown, but what led um, Jim Jones from his days as a minister in Indianapolis to becoming this cult leader and how he managed to convince all of these people to drink cyanide and just yeah yeah um and so for someone who knew nothing about it I was just horrified especially as you kind of get closer and you know what is coming and the lead up to it and all of that it you know Gwen did his research on this <laughs> like it's a big i mean it's a big book um it would have to be to kind of you know get right. into all the details but he looked at all the fbi files there were survivors from jonestown that he was able to speak to he traveled to jones's hometown where he spoke to people there um it was just incredible but it's a really difficult read but at the same time it is told i always i always say this about um really well-written narrative nonfiction. it reads like a documentary mm -hmm. like, you know what i mean like you just sit and you just get so captivated by it that it reads like a documentary it reads like a fiction book just the narrative structure is so well written and and devised so road to jonestown there meant the way you described that reminds me of um Evicted by Matthew Desmond, which he was on the show, but same way, like it reads like a story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. My next one is American War by Omar El Akkad. Um, it was so American War. It it's a nominee for the Andrew Carnegie Medal for Fiction uh, for 2018, as well as a Goodreads Choice Award finalist for both science fiction and debut author. Hey, you know. Ridiculous. This is his first book. Um, so American War tells the story of a second American Civil War that takes place in the somewhat near future. It's like 2075, I think, is the year. Um, but while it's taking place, this Civil War, there's also a devastating plague that's crippling the country. And on top of that, global warming has led to a lot of the South being underwater. So because of that... Um, they have to evacuate all these different places and take all of the people who used to live in those areas to these refugee camps. Um, and those refugee camps, as unfortunately refugee camps tend to do, create some really terrible environments for the inhabitants of the particular camps. Uh, the main characters of it are the Chestnut family and the, the main one that we really follow a lot. Her name is Surat. And you see the way that they're influenced uh, by the refugee camp, their experiences there and all the people that they encounter. And what ends up happening with Surat is she becomes a part of the war in a really unique way. Like the, She has this... She has a certain set of skills. I hate to do the, uh, the Taken movie 
monologues, but she does. <laughs> she has like a certain set of skills that enables her to be a part of this war in a unique way. And um, it, just the way that Omar is able to tell the story, he spent his life covering wars all around the world. So he has this really unique way of showing you what war can do to people, even if they're not directly involved in the war. And he tells this tale of a family that you can relate to, despite the fact that you probably will have nothing in common with them. Um, but it, it just it shows you how where you grow up and the environment that you're, that you're raised in can really affect your beliefs and then what ends up happening. Uh, he was on the show back on episode 107. If you want to hear him talk more about his experience writing the book and, and as, a, as a writer. But it just I read this one. This was one of the ones I read for. I think ALA, like almost at this point a full year ago, and it just stuck with me all year. So American War by Omar el Akkad. So my best book of 2017 is Hunger by Roxane Gay. <laughs> I assume. Oh, man. I I don't even know where to start with this book. Um, So it's interesting because this book was supposed to come out, I think, last year. And it got pushed um and i actually attended an event with roxanne gay uh in ann arbor a couple months ago and after hunger first came out and, and during the audience i think somebody actually asked her that um about that or she brought it up somehow it came up in the conversation and it was just because it was such a difficult book for her to write that she needed more time if you are at all familiar with Roxane Gay, um, you know, she's very honest about a lot of things in her past, including her, her uh, the sexual abuse she suffered when she was really very young. And this book um, is about her relationship with her body and her weight and self-image and food. And it discusses how hunger is not just food related, but there's a lot of things that you can hunger for. And so, you know, she says, one of the quotes is, I ate and ate and ate in the hopes that if I made myself big, my body would be safe. I buried the girl I was because she ran into all kinds of trouble. And so it's really a lot about that. And it's just, it's very raw. Um, it took me a while to read the book because I had to keep stopping because a lot of it just hit very close to home. And I just, like punch in the gut kind of stuff where I was mm -hmm. like, I, I can't read. <laughs> need to put this down and go read something else. Um, so it took me a while to read it because I had to kind of keep putting it down. But I always kept coming back to it because it's just so powerful and so good and so incredibly well written like it is of, of all of her things. Um, yeah, it's just, it was incredible. Yeah. Roxanne's amazing. I will also say something I did not, and I, I don't know, it's interesting because reading it, you know, I, you know, when we read books, especially books that hit very close to us, we kind of bring our own baggage and background to it. And so I read this as like a very serious book. If you listen to her read passages from this, it's actually kind of funny that I didn't, it, there's a humor to it that I didn't pick up on right. until she started reading it. Yeah. And that, so like those, that was a very strange moment hearing her read these passages and having this sense of humor to it and just the way she talks about it. Yeah, that's one of the like, not to make a sweeping statement about reading, but that's a, that's one of the really awesome things about books is depending on where like you're at in your life or what you've experienced, you can read a book a certain way and then you can hear someone else talk about the book or in your case, hear the author read passages and you're like, oh, 
that's a completely different reading from what I took out of it. And it doesn't mean one is right or one is is wrong. It's just, it's so interesting to see how people look at books from different perspectives. I highly recommend Hunger as well. Um, It has won a bunch of awards and no surprise, my top book of the year also has won a bunch of awards. Uh, It's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I am not breaking ground and telling you that this book is incredible. A, because I've already told you all year that this book is incredible. And because seemingly every single major publication out there is obsessed with this book as well. Um, Speaking of Roxane Gay, Pachinko, uh, according to Roxane Gay, is her favorite book of 2017. Look at that. Happy accident. Um, Pachinko is a National Book Award finalist. It was also New York Times best book of the year. And it's Adam's best book of the year, too, which is like <laughs> just the exact same level of, uh, you know, excitement, I'm sure, uh, for men. So it tells the story of four generations of poor Korean, uh, of a poor Korean immigrant family as they struggle to kind of carve out a life for themselves in Japan in the 20th century. And because they are four generations of, of Korean people in Japan, they don't really feel like they're Korean anymore, but there's this huge thing that I, I knew nothing about the connection between Japanese and Chinese and Korean people is like there's a lot of kind of racism and so they don't feel Japanese or Korean while they're there and um, this book has everything from you know tales of like love and sacrifice and family and loyalty and um, they talk about these different street markets that I knew nothing about and then there's um, the name of the book Pachinko is this really popular gambling it's kind of like a mix of a slot machine and pinball, but it's very, very popular in Asia. And so there's also this gambling kind of criminal underworld. And the thing that just stays with me, the story could be told in any environment, but the complexity of the characters that Min creates just are, they have stayed with me now over a year. Um, It's clearly a labor of love. She wrote this over several years. She rewrote it several times, I believe. Um, And not only is it the best book that I read this year, it's one of the best books I've ever read, period. Um, If you want to hear Min talk about the book, we were really fortunate. She's on episode 87, way, way back. Um, We had her on the beginning of this year, and it was she has a book that came out before this called Free Food for Millionaires, which was a bestseller, but it was several years ago, so... This book came out, and it's really cool to hear, A, like how humble and excited she was about writing this book, but when she talked to us, it was before it had been released, so she had no idea if it was going to be well-received or not. um, So yeah, apart from the book being incredible, Min is an incredible human. So um, yeah, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Can't recommend it highly highly enough. Okay. Those are our books. Those are our books. Yeah, that's our top ten. Technically two top fives. But, um, yeah, those are all the things. So if you want to tell us your best books, we would love to hear them. You know, we can make a list of what you guys think are the best books of 2017 as well. And if people want to do that, Jill, how can they find us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And you can email us directly at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, they can. Um, I mentioned this is the last thing I need to do before the holiday season for me. But we will still have our norm, our regularly scheduled uh, episodes for you every Monday and, t- and Monday and Thursday over the next uh, couple weeks. As Jill mentioned, we have our co-workers' best books 
of uh, 2017 coming up on it's actually on Christmas Day. It is on Christmas that Day. That will be released. Uh, we also will have um, books we're excited about for January that you and I will do, and then we'll have some interviews interspersed in there as well. So I will be taking some time off, but Joe will be. I'll be here editing all of our stuff. So thank you, Joe. So email, say hi. Yeah, reach out to the... the There's not going to be anybody in the office. Yeah, reach out to our Twitter and chat with Joe because she'll be the one doing it for sure. Um, anything else you can think of that we need to talk about? I don't think so. All right, cool. Well, uh, I hope you guys have a lovely holiday season if you are celebrating anything um, and a lovely day if you're not. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy these books. Let us know what yours are. So um, that is all from the two of us, um, the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.